Our friends, uh, we're going to spend some time looking at God's Word together. Could you, uh, can I encourage you to open your Bible again to Revelation chapter 3 uh, while I pray for us again. Uh, God, thank you for the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, thank you that because of his victory over death, uh, we now have the opportunity uh, to be in fellowship with you. Uh, and not more than that, we share in this victory that we're no longer afraid of dying because death has lost its sting. Uh, we now look forward to our fellowship in heaven. Uh, in the meantime, while we are on this earth, we continue to want to walk faithfully with you uh, and we hear the message that Jesus has for the, the churches and we want to hear these messages and learn from them. Uh, in his name we pray. Amen. Wake up! Yell the commanding officer at the army recruits in the middle of the night. True story, happened to me. <laughs> and immediately everyone in the room stood to attention, right? Whatever you're sleeping, when the officer was in the room, you stand up. Uh, and the officer continued, I want everyone out in the field in full battle equipment in five minutes. And the response from the room was, sir, yes, sir. Right, that's the only thing you say. You don't, uh, can, I, can I go to the toilet first? Can I do this? Can I? Nah. Right, so that's the military. Uh, and that's a form of discipline. Uh, there's a reason for that kind of a discipline. Uh, it is for the purpose of training up uh, the soldiers, the individual for warfare. Because in real life, you don't really know when the army is going to storm your base or your camp. Uh, and so the training is to train you to be ready at an instant. Right? You've got to be ready at all times. It takes, really takes discipline to be a soldier. Now, the word discipline is often seen as a negative word, but it doesn't have to be. Right? Discipline can also be positive. It's about character forming. Uh, in today's passage, we see Jesus disciplining the church at Laodicea uh, because of love. Uh, Jesus says, I love you, and that's why I'm disciplining you. This is true, not just for the church at Laodicea, but also for all the seven churches that we've been looking at in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. And indeed, for all of us this afternoon who are listening to these words, uh, we are being disciplined because Jesus loves us. This is Jesus' loves letter. To, for us, and we ought to be prepared to listen. And so, wake up, strengthen the dying, is the message that Jesus tells the church in Sardis. Hold your ground, you're doing well, is the message to the church at Philadelphia. And finally, I discipline you because I love you, and I still want to have fellowship with you, is the message to the last church, the church at Laodicea. So welcome again to our sermon series on Revelation. We've been looking at the letters, Jesus' letter to the seven churches. Right? It's right at the beginning of this book, a book which I describe as the Word of God, the testimony of Jesus, and it's a book that contains all the vision that John saw. Last Sunday, we looked at four churches in chapter 2. Today, we want to continue with the remaining three, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Let me use three word pictures, three different pictures to describe these churches, right? The first church, the church of Sardis, is like a disease plant, 
right? It looks alive. It's a repetition of being alive. It has leaves, but the roots are unhealthy, and in fact, it is dying. Now, imagine a plant whose roots are pot-bound. How many of you understand what I'm talking about? You've got to be, yeah, one, two, three, four. yeah. You know, when you put a plant, when a plant outgrew the pot, right, the roots doesn't have anywhere to go. It just goes round and round, and eventually it bec- the plant becomes unhealthy. Uh, so that's the first picture. The second picture, the Church of Philadelphia, is a picture of an open door. Right? Jesus promised them a place in his very pre- presence. Right? It's, it's the promise of eternal life. And they will be spared the hour of trial. Uh, that church is doing well. Jesus says, well done. And finally, the last church, the church of Laodicea, is a church that is sitting on a fence. And Jesus is saying, get off that fence now. I'm about to put electricity through that fence, right? So those are the three pictures. Let's look at the first one, all right? The unhealthy plant. Uh, so the church of Sardis, all right, here, here we have Jesus saying to them, wake up, right? If you look at, at what Jesus is saying to them, clearly uh, he says, wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished. Your work is incomplete, in the sight of my father, in the sight of my God, remember therefore what you have uh, received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. And if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will know you won't. You will not know what time I will come to you. So wake up. Here is an urgent call to action. Right? Not don't relax anymore. Don't wait. You know. Don't say, well, I, you know, I'm just going to take it easy. No, wake up. This is urgent. Uh, the city of Sardis was uh, an important commercial city in those days. It's located on a hill that, is, that was so steep that people thought, yeah, it's a very safe city. No one can get in. So historically, real story, uh, twice, happened twice that, you know, uh, the enemies were able to climb that hill and enter into the city to find that the whole city was sleeping. Because right? they were so complacent and confident that they place no watchman. And so Jesus asking this city to wake up, uh, it's quite appropriate. Uh, it's also a city that is uh, renowned for the worship of the goddess Sibella. Sibella is the goddess who is purity uh, and fine clothing. And so worshippers of Sibella has to go to the temple dressed in clean, nice clothes and white. Unfortunately, the worshippers go in and they indulge in sexual immorality. Right? So you look pure and white, but actually there's a lot of immorality going on. Uh, Jesus asked this church to do the following things. Firstly, wake up. Right? This, is not, this is no time to rest and relax. This is an urgent, words, uh, urgent call to action uh, and strengthen. Next thing they need to do is to strengthen the parts of the church that are dying. Uh, in context, when we talk about parts of the church, I think it refers to members, the people who are in the church. Uh, and so, uh, look after people who are dying. There are members who look alive, but they are spiritually unhealthy, right? Just like a diseased plant. Members are not growing, they are not bearing any fruits, uh, and so Jesus says, I find your deeds incomplete. There's something not right with this plant, right? Either the, the, they flower and they don't fruit, or the fruits are deformed. Something is not right, and it's incomplete. This is not a, a picture of health, nor a picture of growth. 
I think Jesus' question for us today as we listen to this sermon is, are we spiritually asleep? Are there people among us who are spiritually unhealthy? Have we reached a place of complacency in our spiritual life with Christ? Are our deeds complete before him? See, in most churches today, I think the challenge confronting us is that we are all oops, time poor. We're all very, all very busy. We're too busy to pay attention to our spiritual health. Uh, our roots have no place to grow because we bound it, right? This, this is, you know, this is the pot. Jesus, uh, God, I love you, but I only love you on Sunday and on Wednesday night, you know, CBSI Bible study or whatever, right? Any other time, well, there's no time for you, God. There's, there's all these things that I need to do, all right? So subconsciously, we kind of put God in a box. And after a while, the roots have no place to grow. Where, where do they go? They just go round and round and round. And eventually, it chokes the life out of our spiritual, spiritual walk with God. And so we look alive. We look like we're God's people, but we're diseased. If Jesus were to look at us today, would he say to us, your deeds are incomplete? Therefore, wake up. And for a church uh, whose city wall has been breached twice, Jesus warned them that if they do not wake up, right, take action now, Jesus is going to come like a thief, right? Just like the enemy is climbing up the wall unannounced. You don't know when the enemy is going to come. Uh, therefore, Jesus is going to come and judge them at a time that they least expected him to. So they are, they are called to wake up, be alert, be vigilant at all times. Uh, the Church of Philadelphia, that's the imagery of an open door to them. They're doing well. This is a great church, right? Very little strength, but Jesus had great encouragement for them. And so to this church, uh, Jesus wrote, you know, to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, the words of the Holy One, the True One, the One who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one will open. And Jesus says, I know your deeds, right? And I set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. Uh, so here's, here's an image of Jesus that we haven't encountered before in chapter 1. Uh, verse 7 and 8 presents Jesus as the one who holds the key to eternal life. Right? It's called the key of David. God promised to give David an eternal kingdom, 2 Samuel chapter 7. God promised that you know, David will always have a king on this throne that, that will rule forever. This dynasty will never end. Uh, and so, in a sense, likewise, for all who follow Jesus, Jesus is the one that's descended from David. That's the eternal kingdom. And so to be given the key to this kingdom is to, is to be given access to eternal life. Right? That's the open door. And Jesus holds that key. So we know, we know we need to come to Jesus. We need to hold on to him, even though we have very little strength left. Right? And so as we read this letter, the, the imagery expands. Right? So first we see the door. And then Jesus brings them right in, into God's temple. Right. Uh, and so verse 11 and 12, Jesus says to them, I'm coming soon, right? Hold on. And if you hold on, all right, I will make the person a pillar in the strength, a, a pillar in the temple of my God. Right. Part of the family, in a sense, part of the structure. Uh, I will write on him, the name of my God, the name of the city, the new Jerusalem, and Jesus' own new name. So notice that, you know, this, as Jesus brings the, us into eternal life, we enjoy fellowship with him, right? Intimate fellowship with him. He will dwell with us 
and we will dwell with him. That's what the imagery is about. Right? We're part of God and you know, his name is on us. And we will know the new name of Jesus. Only those who persevere to the end will have the privilege of knowing this name. Uh, like the Church of Philadelphia, I think the message for us is press on, keep on keeping on. Right? Times may be hard, you feel like you're just hanging there by that little thing, you know, by the ledge, but just keep going on. Right? Jesus is worth it. Keep on holding on. And finally, we've got our third church, the church that is sitting on an electric fence. Uh, to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. See, when was the last time a friend or a family member rebukes you for your own good? Well, did that happen recently? Someone challenged you? Someone said, look, you know, I love you enough to tell you this. Right? So discipline, correction, rebuke can often be difficult to accept unless you know the person loves you, right? The person is not just doing it to put you down. There are some people who like to do that. But, that, but if you know that this is a person who is truthful and who loves you, then you're going to accept the truth. It's more likely, the likelihood of you accepting the truth is higher. So straight up front, Jesus is telling them, look, I'm the one, right? I'm, I'm the amen. I'm the final word, the, the final complete word, the yes and I'm the beginning of creation. I'm, I'm the last and the beginning again. And I'm truthful. I'm the truth and faithful witness. And when I discipline you, it's because I love you and I'm speaking the truth. Right? The truth is going to set you free. Uh, so Jesus says to them in verse 15 and 16, I know your deeds. You are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. But because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you up out of my, you know, out, out of my mouth. So here's a church that I would say is sitting on the fence, neither here nor there, right? doesn't want to commit. Another way of looking at this church is I call this the whatever church, right? Whatever. Right? Have you heard of people who always say, you tell them something, they just go, yeah, whatever, right? Are we going to do this? Yeah, whatever. I don't care. Right? A whatever church does not have any commitment. Um, quite frustrating sometimes when you try to talk to them. Uh, what do you think about this? Uh, whatever. A church that doesn't, uh, whatever church does not have any commitment to anything. Right? Sits on the fence, doesn't want to commit, um, doesn't, want, doesn't have a position. Whatever. It's hard. Right? And so Jesus described this church as lukewarm. Now, what's wrong with being lukewarm, you might say, right? This is a reference to, um, you know, Jesus wants to spit spits them out. The imagery is, I guess, out of liquid or food. Um, you might like your fluid lukewarm. You don't want it too hot, don't want it too cold. This is comfortable. And I think that's the point. This is a very comfortable church. You don't want to do anything. It's very comfortable. Uh, but when it comes to Jesus, it's what Jesus wants that is important. Is Jesus, I don't want hot or cold. Choose. I'm about to speak you out. See, the challenge here is Jesus, Jesus doesn't want half of your commitment. He doesn't want half of your time, half of your family, half of your money. Jesus is an all or nothing guy. That's Jesus. 
you either you're all for Jesus or not. Right? You can't be halfway. Jesus deserves all of our worship and all of our praise. And we are encouraged to give our best to Jesus. All for Jesus. The amazing thing about giving our best to Jesus is that you see that Jesus gives us his best in return. So verse 18 and 19, I counsel you, right? You think you're rich, you're very comfortable, you've got everything, but my counsel to you is, Buy gold refined by fire from me. Right? You've got to invest in Jesus. Right? Commit. Jesus is worth it. Invest in Jesus, and Jesus is going to invest in you. Right? In a sense, there's this return. Buy gold refined by, by fire from me. Right? And you realize that as you, as you buy from Jesus, it's worth it. This is gold refined by fire. The garments that Jesus gives you will clothe your nakedness and your shame. The salve that Jesus gives you will, will bring you healing. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Right, commit. Don't sit on a fan, fence because Jesus is going to kick you out. Uh, so it's not too late. To invest in Jesus, right? even today you can say, "Look, I'm you know I want to be all out for Jesus." And it says in verse twenty, "Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him, and he with me." You know, as we prepare ourselves to partake, participate. Uh, in the Lord's table, this is Jesus' table. He invites us to, to be part of him. Right? This is part of the invitation. Jesus invites us to, be, to, to fellowship with him, to share a meal with him. And even for a church that is like Laodicea, which is lukewarm, really in trouble, even, even then you see the generosity of Jesus in extending this invitation to them. And so Jesus is calling you today, speaking to you, saying, wake up, right? Straight, strengthen what's, what's weak, what's dying. Keep on keeping on and invest in me. And I will open that door to you, right? That door is the door to eternal life. And when we access that door, we have fellowship with him. Now, as well as forever when Jesus comes back or when we, when, we, when we go and meet him. Let me pray and then we'll prepare our hearts uh, for communion. Gracious God, thank you again for the Lord Jesus, for his generosity towards sinners like us. Uh, we want to acknowledge that uh, we are poor. We think that we're rich. And if we do think so, Father, we ask for your forgiveness. Open our eyes that we might see you and the true riches that you offer. And Jesus, help us to be all or nothing with you. Help us to commit to you. And if there's anything that is holding us back, Jesus, we want to surrender that to you. Take it away. That we might be 100% for you. In your precious name we pray. Amen.